Welcome to the LabOp Leaders Series, a showcase of global change agents and experts in healthcare and laboratory management. Here's your host, LabOp Global Founder, Robert Farias. We'd like to welcome Margaret Bacalia to the podcast. Margaret, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Thank you for joining us, Margaret. Can you uh, give the audience a bit of a background of your academic history, please? Um, okay. I, I started off as a mid-lab tech way back in 1993. That was ages ago. And um, I worked myself through different levels of education. So I graduated with a diploma in mid-lab technology from the Fiji School of Medicine. Now it's the Fiji National University. And then I um, worked for a number of years back in my country. I'm actually from the Solomon Islands. So um, yeah, that's where I'm actually from, but I, I'm now working in Micronesia. So let me get back to my academic background. So I worked for a number of years in my country and then I decided to go on for further studies. So I looked out for scholarships and I was fortunate to be accepted by the New Zealand Aid Scholarship. So I went to the University of Otago, that's in New Zealand. And I did my uh, Bachelor's of Science, um, majoring in biochemistry and microbiology. I decided to venture out a bit from the med lab side because um, I think it's good to learn more uh, outside from the medical field, at least to gain more knowledge outside of what's going on, uh, more on the natural sciences um, part. And then I did four years and with this scholarship, I have to do a bond. So I went back to my country and worked for another four years just to finish off the bond. And I applied back to the New Zealand um, aid scholarship again to go and do my postgraduate studies and to try and get my master of science. And so I was fortunate at the time and I went back again to study. Uh, this time with my son, because I actually have a child at that time. I had a son by the time. So I went and studied and I attained my master of science in major in microbiology. Um, being a mom and a student at the time, it's kind of challenging, but I managed to work my way through and I yeah, and I completed my studies and got my Master of Science in Microbiology. And then I went back to work in my country because it's also bonded. And after I finished around about two years for my bond, and then I decided to find jobs elsewhere. And that's how I ended up in Fiji um, National University. So Margaret, let me just back up for a moment. So can you describe okay. to, can you describe to those of us uh, what the bond uh, exercise is like? So you're saying that, oh. so, because there was a scholarship, but now you're also saying there was a bond. So can you describe that, please? Yes. So with this government scholarships that we um, get from Australia and New Zealand, they, it's like a, um, an aid to the country. So we have to go back and serve our people, mm -hmm. serve a number of years so that after that you're free to do whatever you want. 
So it's kind of bonded, like, so we don't run away to other countries. I think that's how it's been done initially. <laughs> I see. So it's basically yeah. if you if you go off for a, a four year program, then you're going to come back and work four years. Is that the is that the way the exchange yes. takes place? Okay. Yes, that's how it's been done way right. back. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah, okay. In the nineties. Yeah. Sure. No, that's fair. Okay. And then so let's talk about your professional career. So obviously throughout the course of your, uh, in between your studies and then the time uh, back at work, you had different roles. Can you guide us through some of those different professional steps you took, please? Yeah, um, so most of my um, roles were actually in the lab. So I work as a general tech, and then I became the bench um, supervisor, and then I went on to become the manager for the lab. So this is one of the labs that is actually based in one of the provinces in the Solomon Islands. Okay. Yeah, and then um, I found that I am not challenged enough, so I wanted to venture out. And so after I got my um, master's, I decided to go into teaching. Um, so I applied to um, Fiji National University to the Bachelor's of Med Lab Science program. And I started off as a coordinator for one of the certificate programs. So I coordinated that um, program. It's called the Clinical um, Certificate in Clinical Lab Technology. So it is a two-year program where students um, did one year of theory and one year of clinical attachment in those labs around the Fiji. Um, and then after that, they graduated. So I was there for roughly three and a half years. And then I, I decided to do something else. Like I wanted to explore more, like what are the opportunities that I can do? So I found a job with the um, Federated States of Micronesia as a biosafety officer and a microbiologist for um, this country, the one I'm um, currently in now. So this role actually um, helped the labs to improve on their biosafety um, practices and levels, and also capacity building of their staff in the labs across the country. Thank you. Yeah. So Margaret, can we just take a step back? So um, three different geographies um, to, to yes. just wanted to understand. So can you give us a bit of an understanding of the Solomon Islands itself? Uh, it doesn't, it, unfortunately, it's not a location that gets as much attention globally as other places, at least not in the Western Hemisphere, I'll say. Uh, could you please share with us a little bit about the Solomon Islands and then a little bit about the healthcare system on the Solomon Islands, please? Okay, so the Solomon Islands is actually one of the islands under the British Protectorate. And um, so most of the systems are mostly the British kind of system and the governance as well. Um, and the health system is mostly um, just free medical services. So it's all provided by the government. So it's kind of heavy heavily dependent on the government. And we do have private um, health services as well. And other health services are actually um, run by the churches. Those uh, other churches like the United Church uh, and Anglican Church that was there 
earlier during the early days of um, the country itself before the country gained independence. And the, most of the schools are based on the bridge system as well. I'm not sure if it's similar to Canada, but um, that's what I know about sure. Solomon Islands. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just describe Micronesia yeah. a little bit for us and then describe some of how the healthcare is delivered there, please. Yeah. Okay. So in Micronesia, um, so let, let me talk about the, the Pacific. So we have the Polynesian countries, those are the bigger countries, and then we have the Polynesian countries, the tiny, uh, plenty of them, not really too small. And then the Micronesians actually, because the islands are very small. So that's how the islands are being named. Um, with the health system here, um, it's actually based on the US kind of system. Um, it's like you, you cannot access free um, health services. You have to have like a insurance system in place that you have to have um, the cover so that you can seek medical services. Mm -hmm. So that's what I found is a bit different to um, what's being offered down in Solomons and probably also in the other uh, islands that were kind of colonized by the British system before, which is heavily dependent on the government that provides the services. Um, so that's what I found in Micronesia. And Margaret, can you help us understand? So given that it's a, it's a, it's a series of islands, essentially, uh, as part of the locations, how is the healthcare system set up? Is it that every island would at least have some type of dispensary or health clinic or health facilities? Is there a centralized? Okay. How, does that, how does that network work? So in uh, the state of Micronesia, it's made up of four states. So in each of the states, they have a main hospital, and then they have uh, what is known as the community health centers, and then they have dispensaries. So the smaller dispensaries uh, under the, the state hospital and under the state um, department of health services, and then you have the CHC, which is the uh, community health centers. They're kind of um, under a separate management and they all have their funds directly from the US government. Now, the, with the structure in the um, federal states of Micronesia, we also have the national government. So that's the one that is based in one of the states and it has those main departments in it that is kind of replicated out in the states. In terms of lab services, would every level of that system have uh, a commensurate lab function or is there limits of where the labs exist? So for example, does a dispensary have its own laboratory or is that limited to community health center and above? Okay, so for the labs, uh, you have labs in the hospitals. So each of the states have a lab in their hospital. And then the community health centers, they have like a mini lab so they can do some of those uh, simple tests that you can just do on the open bench. And then those dispensaries that are further out on the remote islands, because these are islands that are scattered all around the um, ocean, just mm -hmm. below Guam and between of Papua New Guinea and the Republic of Marshall Islands and, islands and Palau. So it's kind of in the center. And these tiny islands, um, some of them don't have 
um, airstrips or airports. So it has to be reached by ships. So we have um, health assistants that are based there and they can also do just basic um, lab tests. They can do um, basic things that are actually uh, allowed to do out there before they can refer the patients up back to the main hospital. Okay, no, that's fair, okay. And, and as far as the role that you're saying, it's a health assistant that is there. Uh, it is not a specific lab tech or lab assistant uh, that is that is working in those situations typically or yeah with the setting it's like the health assistant should be trained to know some of the basic lab tests that they are uh, required to do out there okay only at the chc level in one of the states especially in Pompeii, they have a mini lab and they have um automated system in there otherwise the other uh, dispensaries or chc in some of the states are just those uh, basic urine microscopy, dipstick, and all those pregnancy tests like that. Okay, so so Margaret, you've seen uh, you've seen a little bit of time uh, in the lab systems, and particularly around the, that environment in multiple settings. Can you give us a bit of an understanding from your perspective what's changed the most? Because the setting hasn't changed, the locations haven't changed. Probably the population distribution has not changed very much either. Uh, what have you seen as the biggest change uh, from the lab uh, component of the healthcare services in these countries? Um, the way I look at it up here, um, I think it depends mostly on the funding. So <clears throat> most of the um, states um, lab up here, they try to equip the labs right up to they're able to do the basic PCR test using GeneXpert and BioFire. So when I look at it, it's like they are more um, equipped as compared to some of the other labs maybe scattered out down in the South Pacific. Um, but I, I, I want to dwell more on how I started off. Like we, when I started off as a lab tech, as a training, most of the methods are just manual that you have to do from scratch. Like you have your ingredients, you prepare your reagents and it's just so basic manual. And now, over the lifespan that I worked through lab, I've seen a lot, lot of changes and all of those research methods that are used out there in the scientific field are being incorporated into diagnostic. So there's actually a big change over the years. Certainly. And uh, yeah. actually, in an earlier episode, we had a gentleman who who's done a similar duration, approximately the same, uh, the same timeline as yourself uh, and had brought up the... Uh, his early days of mouth pipetting and other techniques that yes. he had to follow as well. Uh, so I'm sure I'm sure many in the lab system are are, are very glad for the, for the inventions that have came along the way uh, and improvements in technology that have uh, have have removed some of those practices from the field. Uh, so Margaret, you've you've also uh, had the, as the role of uh, in the role of both coordinator and in part and as well lecturer uh, during your time in studies. You've obviously had a chance to impact. Uh, students that are across the different across the region at this point. Uh, can you give us your sense, um, your advice for students uh, practicing in the area, so your advice for students currently studying uh, in the region? What would be your general advice for them on, uh, on, on how to, on what to look forward to and what to, what to project out in their career and what types of choices they should be making now to help impact and help advance their future? Um. Yeah, so from my experience, like it's actually based on my interest. 
and then on my um, determination and ambition. So uh, if they have the same vigor and the drive that they have to push them forward and um, progress themselves in the field of uh, med lab science, and they should go for it because um, there's a lot out there that you can do. So you can bridge the um, lab science to research, you can bridge it to um, maybe health services management, you can bridge it into become a, like a biosafety um, officer. So there's, there's a lot of things to do, like you can add on to being a med lab scientist, you can also be a manager. So there's a lot, that's how I look at, um, um, that's how I look at the med lab science. And uh, Margaret, we'd like to um, um, also ask our, our guests uh, if they'd like to recognize mentors or supporters along the way. Um, yeah, I, I started off quite early in my, my life as a, as a trainee. Um, actually, my, my mom, she pushed me a lot. So she, she was the driver initially. And then I, I kind of like read and found like, you know, like for, to have women in science, in particular STEM. We don't have those in the islands way back in the 80s and 90s. So that kind of drive me and kind of pushed me to actually try and achieve and go into my interest area. So I, I started off and then I went to Fiji and then I started as a student there and I found like in the lab, there were actually a lot of female who work in the lab and that kind of like drive me. And I was like, okay, so females can make a difference also in my country. So um, that's how I pick up from that one. But the initial uh, push I actually have is from my mom. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Great, well, thank you, mom. Um, I know. <laughs> so, uh, Margaret, we want to thank you for this time uh, for sharing with us. We hope uh, we'll certainly have you participating in some sessions we'll be having in the near future uh, to discuss uh, various aspects of the lab. I know there's we barely touched the surface of your uh, of your knowledge in the field. I wanted to use this as a chance uh, to introduce um, yourself to the audience, to introduce the audience to both the Solomon Islands, to Micronesia, uh, to more about the region, and and for people to hear your version of uh, of a path. But we're very pleased to have had you on today and uh, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, thank you very much. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's L-A-B-O-P-P dot org. Thank you.